Spurs remain two points clear following the weekend's Premier League games. There were also wins for Arsenal, Villa, Bournemouth, Brentford, Everton, Liverpool and Manchester City. Guys, welcome to the Footy Social Club. Today I'm joined by Gaz, Matt, Ryan and Steve to discuss all the key talking points from this weekend's fixtures. Before we go into those games, I'd like to pay our respects to the family and friends of Sir Bobby Charlton and Bill Kenwright, who both sadly passed away over the last week. Sir Bobby needs no introduction, a Manchester United and England great, winning the 1966 World Cup on home soil. For his club, he amassed over 600 appearances, scoring 199 career goals. Bill Kenwright, simply known as Mr Everton, the chairman of the Toffees, since 2004 until his passing. Although recent times have been hard for him, there's no doubt that he had all the love for the blue side of Merseyside. Matt and Steve, welcome back. Matt, seeing as uh, Manchester United were on on Sunday and were pretty awful, I thought I'd start with you. What did you Great. make of it overall? Maybe just kind of people can like and subscribe to see my slow descent into depression as to, to what Man United have become, to be honest. I mean, look, I don't think anyone expected United to win in the footy tipping. That was the first game so far this season, actually, that I've, I've you know, definitely said that United were not going to win. Um, and I was right, so at least I got that point. Look, we are horrendous. It's now been said by quite a few pundits that, United haven't got an identity, and we haven't. We just haven't got an identity anymore, and I mentioned this months ago. I don't really know where we go from here. I'm still somehow, and I don't know why, backing Ten Hag to, to turn it round, but with this group of players, if we end up doing a pod on, you know, kind of what players need to leave certain clubs and what we need to get in, I mean, we can, can we just do one on United because it's, it's just going to take the whole pod. We need to get rid of, I think, the majority of our squad... And, and start again. And literally, if that means that we are sitting mid-table for, for a few seasons whilst we're rebuilding, fine. But trying to do it with the players we've got is is horrendous. Yeah, I think um, United and Ten Hag are in a whole heap of trouble, really, to be honest with you. Um, Ten Hag, in his stay at United, has spent another £410 million on top of all the money they've spent previously. They just can't continue on as they are, to me. They's been, they've been getting away with it for too many weeks. And yesterday, shoo them up, really, in my mind, for what they are. Yeah, a poor footballing side with no identity, right? according to Jamie Carragher and on Sky Sports and his massive argument with, with Gary Neville. Do you agree with Carragher that United don't have an identity? I actually agreed with both of them because they've both made very valid points. Roy Keane also has it right that Bruno Fernandes is not a captain and should be nowhere near it with his sulking on the pitch it's just if you're looking at your leader and he's getting on like that how's that going to pick you up when you're when you're feeling shit so carrier has a point i do if you if I, we saw we spoke about it last week what is jim radcliffe actually going to do in that company it, you know if you go into the football club and you only own 25 percent, who's got the overriding decision do you know matt because I, I haven't got a clue well it looks that he will have Kind of, he'll he'll be running the club from an operational point of view. So I think he'll he'll have a, a hell of a lot of input into decisions. But I honestly, I it's it seems a bit of a lost cause at the moment. It just seems that United are going to go out into the wilderness a little bit and do what Liverpool did for thirty years, and then maybe come back after that. I thought genuinely the transition after Ferguson might take about five years, but we're what ten years into it now, and we're just further away than we were, 
you know, five years ago. It's just, it's just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Yeah. I, I did see a stat that you've lost yeah, as many home games now in the 10 years since Fergie left as what you did in the 26 years that he was there. So yeah. let's get going. Gaz, how did you see it yesterday? United were certainly better in the first half than they were in the second. Um, City sort of ripped them apart in the second half, you know, XGs and chances and whatever else were. So there were so many. Um, it could have been a, a cricket score at the end, but United are just simply a mess in short, aren't they? We always knew City was going to win that game. I just, But yeah, they started off okay. Um, tactically, I just don't think they got it right. You know, when, when people play City and they know... They know they're outgunned. I don't understand why they don't try and, you know, tighten it up a little bit more. Have a little bit of a go, but, but, but keep it tight. And then if they go 1-0 down, try and stretch that game to say, you know, try and turn a 90-minute game into like 40 minutes where, like, I, I was listening to Kino and he had it spot on. If you go 1-0 down, don't go 2-0 down so quickly. Let's just try and shut it up, shut it up and, you know, and then try and push for another 10 minutes at the end. Uh, and, and that's how um, I think last Matt might be might be able to tell me, but last time didn't they when they got that point uh, last time they scored late on didn't they um, mm -hmm. last year? So managed they managed to get a point out of the game. So I'm surprised they don't play like that all the time because if you go gun ho with City, you, you're gonna you, you know you're gonna have problems, and it just made no sense to me. So uh, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I still think Ten Hag's got to go. I think he's lost the dressing room. I think the whole. They're just not fighting for him. Uh, the captaincy thing with with um, Bruno Fernandez again, like I said, he's no captain. He's no captain at all. Um, give it to give it to um, Harry Maguire. Just get him back in and just give it to him or give it to someone. I mean, <laughs> Harry's. I agree. <laughs> no, I agree, Gaz. I because there's no there's no one else. It seems in our team at the moment that is a proper team player, but Harry Maguire is. He seems to genuinely want to do it for the club. So I agree. Give it straight back to him. He's never doing that. Even Johnny Evans. Give it to him. You know, Johnny, you cannot Come rely on, on Johnny <laughs> Evans for fuck's sake. He's not giving it to Harry Maguire either. He's not going to give it to Maguire. He's, he might as well hand in his P45. I'm wrong. I, I, I dropped you from the team. You're not captain. I'm going to banish you. And then you bring him back in and you make him captain. You might as well just go, here's my notice. Not a chance. I, I get it. I Give get where you're coming from. He's a leader. Yeah. He is never, ever going to do that because he's too stubborn. I'd rather rely on Johnny Evans or Harry Maguire than bloody than, uh, than, than Fernandez. Not a chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think Ten Hag will be gone. I don't think it will. He'll be gone soon. Like, like I, I looked at United's run of games. They've got a really easy run of games, haven't they? That's the problem with United. They've got quite a an easy run of games where they'll pick up a couple of wins and they'll keep the bandwagon. So, unfortunately, Matt, I think this is going to go on a little bit longer. But if you was running into a Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal in a run, you know, even Villa, which up Villa in there for Rye. Um, <laughs> but literally, if you was running into them four, he'd be done. He'd be done. Mate, the, the, the teams they're playing... The teams that they're playing are thinking, oh, we've got United, that's three points. They fancy it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Not, not one team is yeah. looking at United at the moment going, we can't beat them. No chance. No. I, 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 I do think Ten Hag, I've said it so many times, has got a lot to answer for. But Gary Neville, when we say, I said both have it right. Gary Neville has it right. You keep buying players that on paper look good, that go to United, and it's a graveyard. You've had all the managers in the world. 
what is going on? I think Steve said it months ago. If you don't have a structure in the club, it doesn't matter what manager you have, it doesn't matter what players you have, you will fail. And that's a fact. Yeah. That is an absolute certainty. Any, any team that's doing bad typically has got it wrong from the top going downwards. And it's the same, it's the same as a business. If you have a shit CEO and he's not invested in the business, what happens? The business fails. It's no different to a football club. Yeah. I think, like, I watched his interview on Sky Sports post the game when he was sort of called out about Johnny Evans being picked over Varane, Lindelof at left back over Regulon. Um, no recognised right winger on the pitch during the game until Anthony came on and then he didn't do much anyway. Why he picks Rashford at the moment, he's bang out of form. I agree with what Ryan's saying. Man United are a mess at the top. So it won't matter so much about the manager. We'll just have to, I suppose, wait and see. Let's, let's talk about Manchester City. Man United will continue to be a mess, I think, until serious changes are made. And we could have another whole podcast dedicated to them, a bit like VAR. <laughs> but let's talk about how good City were. Rye, impressed with them, especially in the second half. And, and obviously still very much the, the favourites to win the league this year. Yeah, the, it's Rodri. They're almost like a one-man team. Everyone bangs on about Haaland. Rodri was out for three games. They lost three games. Rodri comes back. Back to the usual drill. He's just... He's he's unbelievable. He literally makes them tick from defence and and going forward as well. The guy's, the guy's insane. And Haaland's, Haaland's not showed up for the first two months of the season. He's still got more goals than Man United. Yeah, I saw. I saw that Harland alone's got more. Yes, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, Matt, yeah. obviously, very hard to see Manchester City, um, the dominant force there now. Um, yeah. Obviously, you said it was. You know, you backed City to to win that game. Yeah. Um, they'll win the league this year for you. Mm, no, I still think I still think Arsenal are going to win the league this year. I st- again, I said that last year, and then you guys fucked it up. But I, st- I still think Arsenal are going to win the league. Um, look, I think in the game yesterday, for the first, I think United were much better for the first kind of minute and a half, and then it was downhill from there. Um, and it was it was just boring. It was boring as a United fan to then watch because you could just see it all play out. You could see exactly what was going to happen. Um, honestly, you, you talked about some of the kind of tactical decisions in the team lineup and stuff. As soon as I saw Lindelof at left back, just what what are we doing? What are we doing? The only player really that's that's kind of earned his spot is McTominay. He looked he looked dangerous in in times. Um, I thought Onana. I thought he you know he made an amazing amazing save again after you know kind of what happened midweek during the during the Champions League when we beat the mighty Copenhagen. Um, De Gea's look, coming back as well, though, isn't he? It'd be nice. I'd, I'd see him come back. I'd, I'd definitely see him come back. Definitely. I think. I think he's needed. Why would he? Why? He's off to why? You've he's got Onana. De Gea's not going to play. No, yes, he is. Onana's off to Afcon. So yeah, he is. He will play. The thing, the thing when nobody in spoke January. About, yeah, the thing that nobody spoke about. It wasn't a pen. 
that's as soft as you get. Uh, no. Like, if you're giving that as a penalty, how many penalties are there? Yes, he pulls him, but that happens in every single game from every single set piece. So, are you going to? Are they going to consistently give that as a penalty? No, because they didn't in that game. I that thought that was a penalty. There was another. No. There was another incident where someone else got pulled back and nothing happened. So, yet again, yeah. no yeah. consistency. I thought it was a penalty. He put his arm out to stop him. It's no, for me, no different that if your arm's not in a natural position. You, yes, you've got to defend your box, but he put his, he stopped. No. Was it Rodri who went down? I think it was whoever it was. He, yeah, he stopped them making a play for the ball. However soft it may be, he made, but you know. There's no consistency. A play. You can't, give it, you can't give it once and then not give it throughout the rest, the rest of the weekend. How many times does that happen over the weekend? I would bet my life about 50. How many penalties were given? One. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. It was like an arm round, it was like an arm round his waist almost, wasn't it? It was like an arm round his body and then he turned him. And that, that happens on every single corner. That happens every single corner. Yeah. He pulls him. It happened about four more times in the United game alone. Yeah. It happened with players doing the exact same thing. It was a ridiculous penalty. Matt, it probably happened 20 times because on every corner, they're always is, on every corner that is happening. So is that now is that now a penalty? Every single corner, it'll get that way if VAR keep getting their way. Um, no, it's um, it's it's very soft, very very soft. It's a derby for God's sake, Jesus Christ! I think they'd seen the stat where Man City hadn't had a penalty at United since 1992 <laughs> before the Premier League started. So <laughs> I think it was always oh, we're going to get one this week, weren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, st- Steve, I was going to ask you, in light of the various VAR incidents we've had over the weekend, if VAR are now going to say to the on-field referee, right, you need to go to the monitor and have a look because we believe that there's, you know, a foul on such and such or a handball or whatever it is, do you think we should just stop referees going to the on-field screen and just basically let them then be controlled by VAR because VAR's ultimately going to have made the decision that the referee's going to agree to? Well, the, the, so the referee has already decided if he's, getting, if he's getting sent to the VAR screen, he's already knows what they're going to be saying, doesn't he? They're already going to be saying, we think it's a penalty. You know, you're going to have to back us up effectively because they are, let's face it, these referees are all in a bit of a clique. They're not going to upset each other with regards to, you know, decisions going against them. You know, they're not like us on this podcast where we'll have a bit of a disagreement about something, but they're all going the same way, aren't they? Let's be truthful. So yeah. I just... To me, if he's going to the screen, he's going to give the penalty. Why send him to the screen? Why not just say it's a penalty and get him to do it and save everybody a bit of time? Yeah, I agree. I I think that's one thing that's got to be looked at globally, that if it's going to VAR and VAR is having the decision, the referee doesn't need to see it because 99 times out of 100, it never changes. Yeah. Well, that's what they do in rugby, isn't it? In rugby, it just goes to the the TMO. Yeah, it just goes to them and they make yeah, the decision yeah. and they recommend the referee. It's, so, might as well just do that. At the end of the day, all these Premier League stadiums now have got big screens. Why are, why are the fans in the stadium not seeing it as well? And why why yeah. is it not talked through? He can stand in the middle of the, middle of a pitch and, and see it, can't he, if it's on a big screen? Just do it. Let everybody see yeah. it. I think, I think they should. That's what they do in rugby. And you can hear the, hear the crowd going and everything. It's actually good. It adds to the atmosphere as well. It can't be... Yeah. At least you know what's going on. Only you club that's got an on. issue. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Only club that's got an issue is Luton. They've only got a 20-minute 
26 inch screen in the corner that's, that's not big enough <laughs> it's also a square one you know it's uh it's got that girl with the colored screen that's on at three o'clock in the morning uh I'm not, i look through but, one of the windows of the houses uh, <laughs> look through the window out the back yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> girls with the colored screen not talking about babe station there um <laughs> Um, all right, so everyone wasn't surprised Man City won. Man United are awful, but it's going to continue for as long as the Glazers are in charge and as long as it's a mess at the top. Um, let's move on to West Ham Everton. To say I was shocked about this result. Um, Gaz, obviously a big week for Everton. And I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the takeover as well, but we'll come to the result first. Obviously, Bill Kenwright sadly passing away um, may have helped Sean Dyche get a, a response out of his players. And your favourite striker, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, scored. Yeah, I'm about to change my mind soon. He looked, at, he was really good the weekend. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, he was really good the weekend. Obviously, they got fired up, you know, with the passing of Big Bill. So that's uh, you know very sad. Um, you know, he did get a lot of a lot of stick, a lot of memes going around from the Liverpool fans as well saying, where's the Arteta money bill, which is a, a standing joke up here, which is quite funny. Um, but other than that, no. Um, Everton, yeah, they are looking much, much better, more fired up. I think we did say before with um, that Onana, he's looking, you know, the, the Onana in midfield, not the, the United Onana. Um, he is serious, serious, serious player. Um, really bossing the ball around um, in midfield. And yeah, when he's on, he's really, really good. Um, and yeah, Everton, you know, a bit of a surprise result. I think maybe, I think all of us had it maybe a draw, either a draw or a West Ham win. We never see Everton going down there winning away, but they've um, they've had some good some good joys down in London recently when they they beat um, they beat, they beat uh, Brentford and Brighton down there, haven't they? So um, yeah, West Ham are their next culprit. So Steve, what do you think is happening with West Ham? Obviously, they've been in Europe now for a couple of seasons. They they used to dealing with the Thursday, Sunday games, you know, that they invested really well in their squad in the summer, started the season pretty good as well, but just not clicking at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. They've, they've, they've had a poor week, didn't they? effectively. That's all it is. They they lost to Villa, which pretty much everybody loses to Villa at Villa Park. Um, they they got diced yesterday, as far as I could see. That's uh, that's, 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 a, that, that's the Sean Dice we expect and the Everton we expected. Just, you know, West Ham had a lot of the ball. They actually they actually had a few chances. Um, Pickford made a couple of, again, a couple of really good saves. So, actually, it wasn't, you know, like they lost in midweek in the in the Europa League. But, actually, you know, I don't think there's any panic statements with, with West Ham. I'm sure their fans will start to bang on eventually if it carries on about wanting better football and Moyes not knowing what he's doing and stuff. But to me, he has got plenty of, plenty of, you know, money in the bank as far as effective credits and stuff. So no issues as far as that's concerned. They'll come right. They'll come right. Their team wasn't that bad yet. It's just, like I say, they got dodged. They were booing though, Steve, right, right at the end. Sorry, Chris. They were booing right at the end um, of the game though. Uh, I know obviously when teams lose, they do boo a bit, but they were, they were really booing towards the end. They were fickle. They are the most fickle, fickle fans in the world, West Ham fans. Seriously. Just ask so, Finney. So, so fickle. We, you know, we know, we know a couple. They are fickle, you know. 
It's yeah. it's like one week they're brilliant and they're massive, and the next mi- minute they're small time. So at the end of the day, you know, end of the day, they will be. That end of the day is just terrible. They shouldn't be booing yet. He won them a trophy last year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Matt, Everton are five points clear of the relegation zone this Monday. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's looking fitter than he's ever looked. Yeah. Do you think Sean Dyche will just keep them moving up the table? I think we had this uh, we had this conversation about Everton. Uh, I think it was in it was match week four or something like that. And I was I was saying that they're they're, they're going to go down. They're not going to make it. And Steve came up with some really good stats actually as to to why Everton were going to turn it around. And actually, I was being too harsh, and we all were really a little bit. But I I was probably more than most. Steve, I've got a bit of an apology. I think you were absolutely right. The stats you came out with, I can't remember exactly what they were, but. You've pointed in the right direction as to, to what Everton are, are going to do. They're still going to struggle, but I just think we're in a, a Premier League where there are now worse teams in it than Everton that are probably going to go down. Deitch will probably just about keep them up. Um, but yeah, I thought they looked good yesterday. You're right about West Ham. You know, they've had a bad week, you know, third, third defeat on the trot. But some teams go through a slump, and that might be three or four games, or it might be United, it might be 10 years. I don't know. It's different for everyone. <laughs> But, you know, there's everything they're looking all right. They've got other things going on in the background, which might affect them. Obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But West Ham, they'll, they'll come back from this. They'll be fine. Perfectly led, mate, into my next point, and, and I've saved Ryan for this. Ryan, we were talking um, on WhatsApp or whatever earlier in the week about Sean Dyche first, sort of him saying that, you know, he's done an autobiography, but in his, I don't know, six months at Everton, he could have written three books already. And it did make us question, you know, what else is he actually having to put up with off the field that, that affects maybe performances and morale come 3pm on a Saturday, you know, or lunchtime on a Sunday. Um, there's now obviously reports of a, I suppose, a, a 12, point, um, 12 point deduction coming for Everton. Um, and the 777 bid links in with that because that's gone very quiet as well. They clearly have no regards whatsoever for FFP because they've made 372 million loss in the last three years. You're allowed 105. So it's not exactly a little bit of a boo-boo where they've made an error. Mashiri just doesn't give a shit. So <laughs> right, he doesn't. You can't, can't, can't blame COVID because otherwise every team would have that overhead. So... It's not an excuse. You spent a shitload of money on players. I don't even know where that's gone because it doesn't seem like they bought anyone in the last two years. But they deserve everything to get. And Carragher throwing City out, well, we don't know what City have done. And maybe it's they've got 115 misdemeanors. Maybe it's 115 of these and they'll lose every title that they have. I'm sure that'll come out. But each case to their own, it's another, th- it's another example of a club run like a shit show that performs typically bad on the pitch. So I actually don't think they're clear of relegation because I don't know how that's going to affect the club when they get that ban. Uh, sorry, when they get that points deduction. If they get that points deduction, I suppose. I mean, how can you not? You think if, you, if they don't get it, if they don't get it, then every club's going to go, well, fuck FFP. I'm just going to spend what I want. There's no, there's no repercussion. Yeah. Maybe I think all it's, clubs I think... should just do that. <laughs> 
Just all clubs just they don't care about FFP. I'm going to spend five billion this transfer window, and then everyone can have negative points, and we can see who's good then. Go on, I think Matt. it depends. I think it will depend when they get that points deduction, and obviously then it will be appealed, right? Because and then it goes through. Is it court of arbitration? And it just takes yeah. a lot longer. So it may not even be this season. So they may survive it this season. Um, but uh, Ryan, I think you're right. They they have to get it at some point. It has to it has to come in, and it will be devastating for them when when it does happen. If if you've seen the bottom of the Premier League this year, you'd want to take it this year, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I they, reckon that they, they could still get clear. out of it. Yeah, they yeah. could be clear of it definitely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Gaz, what are you hearing up in Merseyside in regards to the triple seven bit? It's not welcomed by everybody. Um, I, I don't think triple seven are that clean of a of a company. Struggle to pay a few other bills with other sporting teams. as other teams that are very unhappy with how they're run and they're owned by triple seven. But what are you hearing currently? A lot of most, I mean, most fans now, they just, like I said, I mean, I spoke to a few Everton fans and they're not really updated with a lot of things, really, as far as they're aware of, just like everyone else, what we know, you know, the triple seven obviously don't seem to have the funds or they're trying to scrape it all over, you know, every sort of piece of funds from everywhere they've got um, around the country just to try and, you know, fund Everton. But uh, <clears throat> most fans don't care about that. Um, you know, uh, they just, obviously, they just, they're just happy at the moment with, that you know the team's you know change in form because um, it has been a significant change in form, and I think they just want to just keep plugging away with that. But regarding the takeover and things like that, I don't think anyone's any of the wiser really. Hasn't Mashiri said he's not putting more money yes. in though? So Mashiri's not putting more money in, and you've got investors that won't want to buy the club with a twelve point deduction hanging over their head, and they've got a new ground to fund. <laughs> so, if I was a fan, I'd be pretty worried. That's that, you add that together. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, but like I said, what can they do? What can they do about it? They just all fans, you know, they can't really get involved with. They can just get on with what's on the pitch. But you know, a, ch a change in in uh, you know in how they're playing is the main is the only thing they can you know really control. But um, no, Everton's in a, a mess in terms of you know financially. They've always have been though. They always have been, you know. Uh, they've never been, um, you know, well run. Um, they've always been, you know, like winging it, winging it specials. But uh... <laughs> you heard it here first, the winging it specials. Look, we we must move on. We'll we'll see what happens with Everton's results, I suppose, uh, and whether or not Triple Seven will will take ownership, and also whether Everton will get the twelve point deduction. We'll stay up in in Liverpool, Steve. I'm going to come straight to you. Um, we talked off camera about Liverpool flying under the radar, um, a convincing win at the weekend at home to Nottingham Forest. Obviously impressed by what Jurgen Klopp's doing with his new midfield, mate. Yeah, completely. Yeah, nobody, nobody, and nobody's talking about them. Everybody's talking about the two North London sides, um, how great a start they've had, and blah blah blah. And literally, Liverpool and Man City both sit there, and Liverpool are, are going really, really well. They look, they look really impressive. Slavoslav looks a hell of a sign, real, real sign. Another, another two assists yesterday. Just, just looks great. Just looks great. You know, shout out to obviously Lewis. Diaz, you know, hope thoughts with his um with his family. Hope his father gets back. Apparently, his mother's back safe, but they're Correct. still trying to find his um his his father. So 
thoughts with him and uh, thoughts and prayers with him. So, you know, hopefully that gets sorted. And obviously, you know, Jota to come over and get the shirt and lift it up and go to four, four sides of Vanfield, you know, impressive move yeah. for them. Must be must have been a tricky situation for them yesterday because, you know, if you've got all that going on with one of your teammates, it doesn't help. It doesn't nothing that sort of help. But they just, they just no. look really impressive. Really, really impressive. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp called it one of his hardest days in as a manager, and he's done over a thousand games now. Um, interestingly, Luis Diaz was going to play yesterday, um, and obviously Jota took his place, and obviously then did that that celebration, which I thought was, you know, very touching. And obviously they're they're a very close unit. You know, right? Jurgen Klopp probably wants to fly under the radar, doesn't he? Keep all of the media limelight away from from his side and let them actually just focus on you know going about playing their football and continuing to pick up points yeah for sure he's going to be loving the fact that all this Ange ball stuff and united being a shambles and arsenal being tipped to win the league i will disagree with steve i did call that they were flying under the radar i was probably one of the only people to say it because i get it in the ear by <laughs> a listener who we all know very well he gives us a lot of feedback um, but yeah, Sabasai uh, looks, he, he looks different quality. Um, I still don't think McAllister's yeah. a holding midfielder. I still don't get that, but maybe he'll, maybe he'll work yeah, on it throughout the season. About? I don't think they've got anybody else who can play there. I don't, I think they bought that Japanese guy and he's clearly not up to standard because Endo. otherwise, why wouldn't you play him? Um, you got Salah, who's on the periphery yeah. of games, doesn't didn't really do anything last week against Everton. Scored two goals, didn't do that much yesterday. Scored a goal. It's just it, it's a lot's working for them at the moment, and they're dealing with the the Robertson injury well. Simakasas come in, you wouldn't know any different. So yeah, the there for me, I think they're the closest title challengers to to City than anyone else. I agree. I think Liverpool will push Man City the furthest this season, and that's not to take any pressure off of my team. I think Tottenham will be the other one as well. I don't think Arsenal will have enough, but that's that's another discussion. Um, Matt, mm-hmm. strong performance from Liverpool, although Forest away from home since they've been back in the Premier League. Surely Steve Cooper needs to rethink how he approaches an away game of football. You can't keep... And Anfield's a very difficult place to go, but you can't just keep getting turned over every time you go away from home, can you? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I, I kind of expected more from from Nottingham Forest. I mean, they've, they've been unlucky in games this season, but, yeah, I definitely expected more. But, but this is Liverpool at home, isn't it, right? And 100% success rate at Anfield this season. Eight wins on the trot at Anfield for, for Liverpool. That's a difficult place to go. Klopp's got them playing, you know, under some difficult circumstances with 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 injuries and the like. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Nottingham Forest are. I think they know that they're, you know, they're going to get enough points over the season to stay up. So they're going to still try and 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 play uh, an attacking style of football away from home. It's just going to mean that sometimes they are going to get kind of turned over. Yeah, I feel like at some point, not this season, because I think the three promoted clubs are probably now heavy favourites to go back down. But at some point, that's going to come unstuck because you can't play a season and rely on your 19 home games and the odd point away from home to keep you up. I don't think you can anyway. Um, Gaz, a team down the bottom of the Premier League who we know you love, 
secret Bournemouth fan. Finally got their first three points of the season um, at the weekend against Burnley. Go on then, give us your in-depth analysis to how the Cherries got their win, mate. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, regarding the bets, I'm very sorry, guys. I did fancy Bournemouth to win, as I did say in the pod. Um, and I did say about the um, uh, West uh, Newcastle uh, Wolves draw uh, would have doubled it up, but I thought Solanke would have scored. So I do apologise. I should have not put Solanke to score. I should have just put the Wolves, well, uh, the Bournemouth win. But yeah, no, Bournemouth. Uh, like I said, they are good. They're getting there. They, like I said, they're too good for me where they are. I think, for my opinion, um, yeah. They, they deserve to be in that Palace sort of level, sort of mid-table. Why do they deserve? Why do they deserve? To, no one deserves to be anywhere. Why do they deserve to be there? The players they've got... doesn't give you a deserve right, though. No, it doesn't give you a deserve right, but that's kind of where... When you have those type of re- players that are really sort of really good and you rate them really high, like I, some players I do rate really highly, uh, I think that they, they belong in that sort of... that, that sort of mid-twelfth... Uh, position sort of table and that sort of section so you know in the section where sort of Fulham and sort of um, Palace belong uh, they don't belong in that they're certainly not uh, relegation fodder like you lot keep talking them to be they will not go down the three that come up will 100% go down 100% go down it's full-gone conclusion no there's not even going to be a decision for that there's going to be a gap it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger stop the league (laughs) shit Stop the league, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Steve, Burnley have a manager that's won the Premier League. Surely they deserve to be somewhere higher up the table, don't they? Based on Gaz's analysis, Burnley were, well, they're really struggling under company this season. Unfortunately, he wasn't manager when they won the league. He was only a player. That's the uh, that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> and he still, I think, he still thinks he's got uh, he's got John Stones and uh, all that lot playing for him at the back because they just make their own troubles sometimes. They again, the the winning goal for for Bournemouth, although a great strike was was giving the ball away. You know, let somebody have a shot. And just you know, it's 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 typical Burnley season. That's exactly what their season's been. You know, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Try and play out the back with players that aren't quite up to it in the Premier League, and um, this is what you get. Yeah, just it's cool. a shame. It's a shame because I do think that Vincent Company is actually a, a decent fella, and I think he's actually got some great ideas. If he'd got a team that were perhaps in that next level up, perhaps I don't know. So. In that Palace, got. Bournemouth area, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that <laughs> Bournemouth area that Bournemouth are never going to be in. <laughs> exactly, I agree. I agree. Right, on the next part of, of talking about Bournemouth at the weekend and Burnley, um, let's see if we can do this quicker than five minutes that VAR took to come up with a decision. Talk, us, talk to us about the, uh, well, the VAR decision, I suppose, and and how you see it and and why it took so long to get to ultimately probably what was the right decision, but it just took so bloody long. Uh, I can summarise it quickly. It was offside. They drew a wonky line, realised they drew a wonky line after arguing internally and then gave it offside. That took five seconds. Um, that's literally <laughs> what happened, but it took five minutes. <laughs> a wonky line. <laughs> It's just a shit show. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> shit show. Yeah. It's just, but it, yeah. Once again, VAR is meant to be for clear, clear and obvious errors. 
what are you looking at something for for five minutes? When it's, you give it offside, the line says it's offside. If you drew it properly, it's offside. Play on. I, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, we, we no, need no the semi automated no system, don't we? Like yesterday. I think that's failed somewhere, though, as well, hasn't it? Hasn't that failed somewhere over the weekend as well? I think in Europe. I'm pretty sure that's not worked or in yeah, Europa right, League. Okay. It, I think they've got a decision wrong with that as well. So I don't know what the answer is. Just get rid of Maybe offsides. Then. Just get rid of offsides completely. Or, Scrap them. Uh, if, you, if you can't tell with the Genuinely. naked eye, if you can't tell with the naked eye, it's onside. I, I liken it to, uh, you know, when they put up the uh, the green line and then the red line, the green line, the red line. I liken it to Squid Games. So, um, as if, uh, they, I, th- I, I, think, I think they think the decision's that important that people are going to die. Okay. It's shocking. It's shocking. Just five minutes, my God. Five, and then, and then what's the guy on, um, who's the guy on uh, Sky Sports Saturdays? Mike Dean. Oh, man, my God. Mike Dean. Get him off. He goes, five minutes is fine. He said, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if it takes 10 minutes. We've got to get the decision correct. I'm like, oh, shut up. Oh, no. It, it, absolutely. Absolutely. In fairness to them people in the VAR, or the referees in the VAR, Liverpool would have liked it to have been taken five minutes and got the right decision, wouldn't they, early in the season? So, actually, that... That's that's what that's the concern. They are now absolutely bricking themselves that they're going to go and do a Darren England. That's what that they're wasn't doing. Clear that's, and that's, obvious, why, that's why that took so long. Otherwise, it wasn't clear and obvious. Wow! But it, it, you could tell by the even the first line where it said Give it was on some homework. It wasn't clear and obvious. Like this, this the Spurs Liverpool one was so so obvious it was ridiculous. Stevie Wonder would have known it was he was onside, but no. <laughs> give them some dot to dot or something to do. Let them let them learn. Give them a ruler, you know, something that they can practice with on the back of a cereal box or something. I mean, they I really know. are getting worse. Howard Webb's got no hair like me and Matt, and must be pulling out what he has got left on the on the back of his head. Um, anyway, Bournemouth and Iriola live to fight another day. Manchester City next week. That will be a cricket score, <laughs> um, but he'll have other challenges ahead. Um, it, it was game week ten. Potch is a myth. I can say that this week. Shocking result at home to Brentford. Shocking. Deserves to be sacked for that performance. No Enzo. No Mudrick. Potch out the door. Hasn't got a clue what he was doing. Sent his goalkeeper up to try and get an equaliser. Doesn't know what he's doing. Clueless manager. No, no, no. no. Brentford, Matt. Great result for them. I mean, we talked about them in the in the pod last week when you were swanning off on holiday that maybe Thomas Frank was coming to the end of what he could do with this Brentford side. And then they turn up and thump Chelsea. Yeah, but it's only Chelsea, isn't it? So he still could be coming to the end. No, I mean, watching the, watching the game, in fairness, there were quite a few opportunities early on. Um, was it Mudweke hit the, the crossbar early on and, and, and stuff like that? Like if that had gone in, that would have been a completely different game. I don't think Chelsea actually played too bad. And I think Chelsea's initial struggles during the season is that no one really wanted to shoot. No one really wanted to take a chance to, to try and score. They all seemed scared, where it doesn't necessarily seem the case now. Um, I think Chelsea, although they lost uh, against Brentford, I, I still think they're turning a corner. I said they're going to finish higher than, than United. And to be honest, I'd rather at the moment probably have Poch in charge of United than I would ETH. 
ETH. He is a myth too. No, um, I'm 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 winding up those Chelsea fans listening. Poch is very slowly turning. Is tied there, Steve. I think the biggest thing, and and I've seen a few other people on social media now call for it, is they desperately need a a centre forward. And Cuckoo looks to be coming back ahead of schedule, but maybe there's going to be a big January fight for for uh, Ivan Tony, and which London club he may end up at. Possibly. Quite possibly. I think the story of the game is 17 shots, two on target. I think at the end of the day, that just screams out, doesn't it? You know, let's go and spend another 100 million on a striker, effectively. That's uh, that's what they're going to have to do. 61 million, I hear, for Ivan Tony, an absolute bargain. It does sound cheap. It does sound cheap. You know, oh, yeah. providing yeah. they can keep him off of those um, those about 365 sites and stuff. You know, at the end of the day, that's the... <laughs> He's on there more than us lot. Um, oh. <laughs> no, at the end of the day, that's that's basically what they've... That's been a story this season so far. Somebody to stick the ball in the net. Um, I've got to say, I'm impressed with Cole Palmer. I think he's, I think yeah. he's been a, a great, great sign. And, and again, we said about fair play to him for um, for going to, to Chelsea in the first place and leaving City. And he looks a really good sign, a really good sign. Yeah. Right. Do you think as the season goes on, these... Um, unexpected results that Chelsea had, like the loss to Brentford. And I'm not saying that Brentford are not good enough to, to go and do that. They've beaten Chelsea, I think, last season at Stamford Bridge as well. But do you think that they'll become, I suppose, few and far between? I didn't expect Chelsea to lose at the weekend. Potch is definitely improving them. But, but what's it going to take for them to put five, six, seven, eight wins together? Or will that not be this season? I don't think it'll be this season. Um, you asked what it will take. I think it's experience. They're a very young team, missing probably their best player in Enzo. Sterling balloons one over the bar when it's if he puts that away, he's actually a bit more composed. It could be a different game. To follow up on your Brentford stat, they've actually got nine points out of nine at Stamford Bridge since getting promoted. So they've not they've won three times out of three there. So they obviously know how to get a tune out of out of themselves. Chelsea, but I think it's just consistency. They've got a lot of young players. 100% agree with Steve. They need a striker who can actually finish. Jackson was anonymous in that game. Um, but they're creating chances. And Cole Palmer does look good. He, he, a lot of little through balls. Maybe he's got somebody running on the end of them. All, all of a sudden, they look a bit of a better team. Guys, I said at the top of the show, Spurs are two points clear. And just one back-to-back. Um, managers of the month, the uh, only manager to accumulate the amount of points he has or something like some record like that. He's accumulated the most points in 10 games, doing phenomenally well. Um, We've promised Ryan that we won't use the word angeball. So good performance away from home at Crystal Palace. Go on, summarise Tottenham and what's impressing you. Uh, yeah, it was good. Good uh, side performance. Um, I mean, the game was without Doji, uh, which was a bit of a worry to start with because obviously Ben Davis come in and obviously playing that new role that Tottenham play with the inverted both wingers, uh, something he wouldn't normally do uh, or has probably never really done. Ben Davis, he's normally been a bit of a wide player and sort of um, playing along the back three at Tottenham. But uh, no, um, you know, Palace uh, again. Like I said, they you know. Tottenham try and invite people on, and one thing I did find was quite interesting towards the 
at one nil down, even when we were sorry when we were one nil up, we were sort of passing it back and forward to Romero and and Vicario at the back just kept passing it back and forward because they just didn't want to come and attack us because when they when people attack us and press us, that's when we really get big joy and and that's what happened with the second goal there. But um, now Palace just made it really difficult for us really. Um, but again, um, teams that come on to us. It's always going to be, we're always going to see better Tottenham. But uh, yeah, they made it hard and uh, they didn't press. So if anyone doesn't press at the front of Tottenham, that's probably the best way to to get the joy out of it. And I thought that's exactly what Man United would have done when they played uh, Man City, um, that sort of role. But they, they just don't. So, Gaz, just, just, just very quickly, 28 games to go in the season. Obviously, miles ahead of probably where, where we all thought. I know, I know you said potentially you could finish in the top five. You you always did back those players that you've got and and just getting a tune out of them. But just quickly, what is the realistic goal? Is it just to maintain getting qualification for the Champions League as fast as possible? There's some trickier games coming up in the next few weeks. And I think before Christmas, you've got City as well. Come Christmas, where do you think Spurs will be sitting? I still think we're going to be up there around about sort of second and third uh, come 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 Christmas. Uh, just look at some of our games. We've got a few home games. Um, see, we played we played more away games at the moment than we have home uh, by a couple. It makes a big difference. And um, but yeah, no, I think we're going to. I still think every Tottenham fan will be top five is what we're looking for. Champions League, get back in Champions League. That's what we we thought at the start, and that's what we're you know we're hoping for. Anything better than that is a bonus. Um, but while we're there. Chipping away, you know, grinding out wins. Um, it's just interesting. So the the big the proof's in the puddings next week. I and mean, we got Chelsea next week at home. That's going to be an interesting interesting game. Poch is a myth. You'll beat them. They'll be easy. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Matt, you've been away for a few few weeks. Uh, I think Spurs were top when you went away, or, or or very close to it. How have you assessed it over the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean, my, my assessment, obviously, looking at it, Spurs have got twenty six points. So. They're not going to get relegated, which is good for Spurs. Gaz, why do you why do you think that Spurs will drop off to second or third? Like genuinely, like every the way you're playing at the moment is is phenomenal. I love it in in every single game. Why are you why are you not going to go and win the league? Because because uh, the only reason is because I just don't think. Yeah, I'm just like happy just to just go along with the flow. Most Spurs fans are. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> but second of all is I Matt, I don't think I think a couple of injuries in a certain areas could really affect Tottenham and it affect it would affect Tottenham more than it would affect Liverpool or City and Arsenal really. So that's the only difference that way. Um I, I, I see us being I mean, you can talk the same about Villa. You know, Villa are playing unreal as well. So I mean Ryan I'll talk about Villa in a sec. But no, I think I still think we're we're a few injuries away of something going wrong if, if, if where we where the whole thing has to change and I'm a little bit worried. I'm delighted Lolo's come back now. Um, Bentacore, Bentacore is going to, you know, I was crying out for him to come back. So he had a little ten minutes uh, cameo at the weekend. So that was great. But um, so if you remain injury free, you can win the league. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> if we remain injury free, we're going to be in a title yeah. race. Yeah, I agree. But what classes as a title race? This is where people say, what is a title race? So for me, a title race is uh, you're in there till about April and then you fade away. Is that a title race? Arsenal last season, right? Is that about right? 
well, Arsenal, no, Arsenal were, were bang were bang there. I mean, they were bang there with City all the way. They just blew it. They bottled it. That's a title race for me. Okay, but is a title race where okay, so for instance, like when Tottenham, um, uh, Leicester, and Arsenal is that a three way title race with that season? I think that is a title race. Yeah. So anything, yeah. anything where they sort of where you can still couple of games, you know, put a run of three or four games together or six games together, and you're gonna you could win the league. That's a title race for me. But no, I see Tottenham staying there in a title race, providing uh, providing they're injury free. But I don't think we'll win the league. It'd be amazing to see though if you if you won the league in the first season that Harry Kane's not there, wouldn't it? <laughs> Crazy, crazy. The guy must be like, oh, what? I mean, he must think he's jinxed or something, but uh, that would be like story of the decade, I think. Yeah. He's doing pretty well at Bayern. Great hat trick at the weekend. Um, we are fast running out of time. There's a couple of things I want to cover. Uh, Ryan, I'm kind of getting bored of how good Aston Villa are every week, and I'm hoping that Steve can cover a little bit about Luton. Um, but go on, Rye. Well, they didn't even come to play football. They're a two-nil down, and they're making defensive substitutions. That's not Premier League football for me. Like I, I, I've got no problem with making yourself hard to beat. They made themselves hard not to get pumped five-nil. It's just a, a, a joke of a performance. We played at times pedestrian football because we didn't need to go out of first gear. Never mind second. We've got a bit of a test coming up. We've got Forest away. We've got Bournemouth at home, and then we've got a big. We've got Spurs away. The Spurs away game, I think. Be a good barometer for where both clubs are, because you've got to give credit where credit's due to, to, to Spurs. It's going to be one of those games where I'll be nervous. I might have to mute Gaz, but um, if it was at home, it's a banker at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> I think you'll beat Spurs. I think you'll beat Spurs. Emery, did, Emery will did the double do on something magic season, there. So. I reckon. Oh, we beat you two 0 there last season. Earlier, earlier in the season, Steve, we talked about. Brighton and, you know, Newcastle amongst others. Villa have opened up a five-point lead on those guys. No games in hand at this stage. I mean, you've been on holiday. I know you've been watching your football. They're playing some seriously good stuff at Villa Park. Yeah, I um, I always gauge uh, how well a team are going by the fact that would I actually pay money to go and watch them and actually I would go and pay money to, to watch Villa at the minute. They, it's a great, they, yeah, great you, you're you're going to get entertained. That's that's the real good, real big thing about them. And, they, and they've got goals all the way through the side. You know, I mean, you know, Matty Cash will pop up with one. Obviously, Douglas Louise has been on a mega run. Obviously, didn't score yesterday, but you know, you got McGinn and and Diaby, and you know, just even Ollie Watkins took his goal not this week, but last week, really, really well. I thought, you know, in the day, they've got goals through the side and excitement through the side. That's that's what it is, and. You know, I mean, I joke with some of the Villa boys that I know, and you know about how how big a club they are or not. But they are a big club, and actually, when that stadium gets going, they are you know they're hard to beat. There, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna cause some of the bigger sides trouble there. And all right, Ryan mentions about Luton. Luton, Luton aren't gonna get gonna gonna stay up by getting points at Villa away. Then they're never. That's not the games they they've got. You know, it's the home games they've got to win. The home games they've got to get points out of, you know, and all the teams around them, effectively. So, do I blame them for, for being 2-0 down and making defensive substitutions? Not really, in some respects, because they don't want to do a Sheffield United. And if, you, and if you lose all that confidence in your team, you know, it's hard to get back. That's the problem. Hard to get back. But no, Villa look really, really impressive. Really, you know, 
I'm I'm pleased for I'm pleased for the Villa fans I know because they've they've been long suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Ryan's dad Simon record. as well? Hello, mate. If yeah. you're listening. Yeah. Simon and Simon and, and and Ryan's brother. Yeah. The end of the day. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two, and, I've and, got one or two others I know. And the end of the day, they have been long suffering. You know. End of the day. It must it's, be your it's entire a friends list. Big club. <laughs> <laughs> I have one or two. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about my club and the cricket score against Sheffield United at the weekend. I will say that Inketia's third goal was outstanding. Um, but I don't think he should be in the England squad against the bigger clubs. He doesn't do it for me consistently enough. I do quickly, before we round off, just want to talk about Brighton. Um, Ryan, I'll come straight back to you. Uh, you raised this, struggling a little bit post-European games at the moment. They just make too many changes. I know they went to United and made changes and won. Um I'm not going to take the piss out of United anymore. It worked once, and like, they're changing. They're changing goalkeepers. Like, what are you changing your keeper for? Is he tired from standing in goal for ninety minutes uh, every week? There's five or six changes. <laughs> so there's there's no consistency in the team. Yeah, how are you meant to get in form? So Deserby, for as much as he's been raved about, there's no criticism coming for him not managing the midweek weekend football regularly. In fairness to the Zerbi, Matt, he did say he gets tired having to do these three <laughs> games in a week. So, you know, if he's tired, his players must be exhausted. Must be absolutely shattered, yeah. I mean, look, again, teams are going to have mini slumps and, yes, he's making too many changes uh, in one go, Ryan. Uh, you're right, he did it against United, but that's United. You know, he could have played a bunch of cats and they would have won against United. Um, so... <laughs> I don't think that's the, the problem. Brighton, look, for me, Brighton is still doing really well. They're, they're in seventh place. Like, this is Brighton we're talking about. I don't know what we're expecting from them. But when, you know, are we really expecting more miracles? Yes, he, mean, he needs to make less changes or fewer changes, but overall, he's, he's, doing, he's doing a great job there. Hopefully, he'll be the next United manager, as I've predicted before. It's the media, though, isn't it? No, we'll it's the media, no, it's the media forward, that like... build them up. True. Like, it's all Brighton's mm. everyone's second favourite team. No, why? Why are they? I saw they were also <laughs> causing trouble against... Because uh, it's not Villa. Ajax. Well, I, no, I don't care. I don't care if it's Villa or not. But uh, good luck to the Brighton fans who are going to Amsterdam next week because you tried to work big mm. and, and hard at your home ground and now you've got to go to Amsterdam where they love a scrap. So, yeah, uh, to anybody who was throwing punches, good luck. Enjoy, enjoy the canals. <laughs> of Amsterdam. Um, the only other fixture we haven't mentioned is um, is Wolves Newcastle. Gaz, another great point for O'Neill, um, but not a bad point maybe as well for Newcastle away from home. Tough place to go. Yeah, tough place. To do. I don't care who goes from Molyneux. It's just one of them funny grounds. I mean, it's just like Brighton. Um, it's even worse than Brighton actually because Brighton actually are a better team than Wolves, but. Wolves is a really, really awkward place to go, um, and uh, yeah, they've. Uh, yeah, I think that Neto was. Uh, is still, he's playing for a movie. Is he's play? He's like a world beater. I was going to say he's injured, and I was going to say now. to Steve, what's the possible effect for Wolves with that injury? Massive effect, absolutely massive. You know, his hamstr did his hamstring looked quite a bad one. 
for the way he went down in the day. There's obviously varying degrees of hamstring injuries, and it wasn't like he'd been a, shot. Yeah, it wasn't just a little pull. It was literally, you know, a sniper had got him out of the crowd or whatever. So, but that's going to be massive for them, I think. Um, just on that, how well did uh, Wang take his go- his goal? He took that yeah. second goal really, really well. For them. Yeah, they, you know, and and one thing I would say, Christian, is Gary O'Neill is not a myth. I don't think he is. I'm he a big would, Gary O'Neill. Did fan. you see him on? Massive did you see, did you see him on Monday Night Football? Like he was, he was really proper, proper impressive. Really, what an impressive yeah. guy! You know, for yeah. for somebody so young, young manager, he's got a good, he's got a big future. I think, very big. I future agree. In football. There's a there's a big club for him in the making somewhere down the line. The, the, when he talks about his tactics and how he prepares for the game and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, look, I've been a massive fan of Gary O'Neill, and it's interesting how many pundits say he should never have lost his job at Bournemouth, should never have lost that yep. job. And obviously it's been to Wolves' game. You know, they're probably rubbing their hands together off the back of lo- losing, you know, such a good manager, you know, before the season starts. And, you know, a risk on Gary O'Neill, but it's paying off. And, you know, he had yep. no pre-season or anything. Wolves have been more than safe I think, Gaz, they've got a better opportunity of finishing higher up the table than, than your second team, Bournemouth. Rye, I think you've got a stat that you want to tell the listeners before we wrap up today's show. Yeah, so that Korean guy, as Pep calls him, um, has had the most prolific start to a season. <laughs> He's had the most prolific start to a season by a Wolves striker in 50 years. So that's how good a season he's having. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah, well, he did take that goal exceptionally well. I mean, obviously, they're going to rely even heavier on him with the Neto injury. He's actually, I think he's a very good player. He's a very good player. So, Brian, you're saying saying better than Steve Ball, who's the absolute Most prolific start to his season. He's got to obviously do it. He's got to to continue it, right? But start to his season is the most prolific start. Could he do it on a rainy night at Stoke, though? That is the question. And I'll get your answer on Friday's podcast. Does it move around? (laughs) Um, Gents, good to have uh, all of you back. Hopefully uh, everyone will be here on Friday's episode. Um, Guys, if you've enjoyed today's show, like at the top of the show, you know the drill. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification button. Our next podcast will be out on Friday discussing all of the weekend's fixtures. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then.